Frieden. Goodness. I've been in a season of goodness, and um, I've shared with some of my brothers and um, my accountability group that I think as a result of that, I sometimes wait for the other shoe to drop. Do you ever feel that way? Um, and I know that that's faithless, because God is good. But part of that is, but part of that I think is that um, I know that there's many of us right now that need the goodness of God. Am I making that up? I don't want to put you on the spot, um, but but if you're in that place, well, today um, you need a special expression of the goodness of God. Would you would you just stand? Would you would you do that? you're somewhere near them and can appropriately touch them, would you, um, if you're not, just reach out to them. God, thank you that your goodness knows no boundaries, right? Lord Jesus, you are good, and your greatest desire is that we would experience that goodness together. I look around and see these people standing, God, and I know that your grace is sufficient. I know it is. So I pray right this moment that you'd wash over them with your Holy Spirit, that you would give them that hope first and then that quiet confidence, God, which is the seed of faith, which would enable them to trust in your goodness right now. I know they can't all see, God, what that goodness will look like right now. But give them faith, God. Give them faith, would you, to rest in it. Until we together stand and celebrate it together. Thank you that you know each of these unique situations, God. Intervene. Prove yourself glorious. Reveal yourself, God. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Stay standing, if you would, just for a second. Um, let's love on these people this week, okay? You see someone standing? Write them a note. You call them. Those of you who are standing, I'm going to ask another question right now, and that is, is there someone who could stand with them and say, I have experienced and I have seen the goodness of God, and I declare that it's trustworthy. Is there anybody that can do that? Stand, if you would. Brothers and sisters, look around you, behind you, next to you. These are people who have been where you are. These are people who will walk with you through, how did she put it, through the fire, through through the rivers, right? These are people that will walk with you. So God, thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. And we are broken. We're broken by our own sin. We are broken by the circumstances which we find ourselves God, many are broken by the sin and brokenness of others. But we declare and we believe that your blood, Jesus, was sufficient. That you can wash away every sin. You can wash away every anxiety. You can wash away every disease. Every 
disease. God, for those who are walking through the fire right this moment, we um, pray in Jesus' name that you would prove yourself glorious, that you would hear their cry, and that you would answer again, God, that you would answer again. Thank you that there is no limit to your goodness, that there is no quota on your miracles. Prove yourself glorious again. flow and as the body of Christ together God we could celebrate your goodness Lord, we love you we thank you that you always provide for us God we never get tired of praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. After the service, um, we have to uh, move out of this, this sanctuary, but if many of us will be in the foyer downstairs in the gym. If you'd like someone to pray with you specifically, uh, we would delight to do that. We would like grab somebody, grab someone, and, and let's join our hearts together to do that. But today, let's uh, shift our focus just slightly and, and continue uh, asking God for this vision. God promises that uh, that he would give his people a vision, right? And, and that we would not perish, but that that vision would invite us into his presence. And we've seen together how he's given us a, a vision for his glory. We've seen how he's given us a vision for a new life. Today, I want to talk with you especially about a vision for saving discipleship. And it, I know that's an awkward phrase, um, but it's the only way I could wrap my lips around this beautiful invitation of God to engage with him in not only our salvation, but the salvation of those around us. To do that, we're going to summarize several teachings from the past few weeks, past months. And some of it's going to be very familiar to you. My my goal is not to produce, uh, to put before you brand new information. My goal is to invite you to not only hear, but to do what the Lord has commanded. And so we're going to anchor ourselves in his vision for saving discipleship. To do that, we're going to go to a couple of different places. Um, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to, again, a very familiar passage. Two months ago, we spent two weeks on it, but we'll be in Luke uh, chapter 10, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. You might recall that we were looking at the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, um, an expansion of the simple truths we will speak on today. But in particular, beginning in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, we saw um, a lawyer come to Jesus and put him to the test. Verse 25 of Luke 10 says, saying, teacher, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. Now this is a, 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 a Pharisee, it is a lawyer, it is someone who has structured his life in such a way to accomplish his goals. And yet he comes to Jesus and says, there's something that I cannot accomplish by myself. To put this in modern parlance, he's saying, what must I do to be saved? To be saved, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, the lawyer, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you remember when we got out the mezuzah, we got out the, the Shema, and, and, and we said that together. He answered, uh, you shall love, this is the lawyer now, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And two months ago when we looked at this passage, we talked about giving all of ourselves to Jesus. I was so cognizant of that just a moment ago as we were worshiping. I, at one point, raised my hands and realized that my hands were raised in the same way I see in the Westerns, right? Like, I surrender, don't shoot, right? Um, and I'm, I'm one of the frozen chosen. I'm not one to kind of raise my hands uh, easily. Um, but I, re- I recognize that God was inviting me to just surrender to his goodness. So, so um, quoting the Shema, the young lawyer recognized that that all that we have and all that we are and all that we say and all that we do is worthy of glorifying the Lord God. So he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all these things. And then, and then he added in the, or excuse me, the Leviticus 18 passage, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and we saw that Jesus answered him and said, you've answered correctly. So he got what he wanted. He got the validation from this rabbi. He got, he got, um, his questions answered. Yes, Jesus was, was a faithful steward of God's word. He knew the Shema. He knew the most important statement in all of Judaism, right? But then we saw Jesus continued and said to the lawyer, to the Pharisee of Pharisees, to the one who thought that he had done everything he needed, he said, do this. In other words, you're not doing it. And you will live. In other words, you're not alive. Right? You're not there. Another um, another gospel recording the same incident said, you are so close to the kingdom of God, right? You're so close to the kingdom of God. Oh, God bless through our understanding your word. It's such a familiar passage. Don't let us, Father, uh, just hear it and not respond to it. God, help us to live into your word in a way that it transforms us and everyone around us. And God, we will give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what is this vision for saving discipleship? What is um, this testimony from the very beginning, from the earliest passages of Genesis all the way to Revelation? What, what is this vision that will allow us to genuinely become disciples of Jesus. I just want to suggest to you, as we go back and review these passages again, start with yourself. 
start with yourself. It's not true in every case, but in most cases, the 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 um, saying is is true. You can't give to someone else what you do, yourself do not possess, right? You can't do that. So start with yourself. Ask yourself. We want we want to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Am I a disciple? Are you a disciple? We saw a couple months ago that the lawyer was asking the wrong question. What must I do to be saved? As we saw last week, the right question would have been more along the lines of who must I be? Who must I be? What must I do to glorify God? Because he has given us this vision of himself that obliterates any any competitor, that obliterates any false God, right? What must I do to glorify God? And then I kind of challenged you last week to an even larger question because I wanted to move us from what must I do and the I and the me to the God-centeredness. Do you remember that at the end of our service last week? There's a larger question. What will it take to fulfill God's purposes? So are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Jesus? Those of you um, in the in the chosen studies, uh, such a beautiful I move beyond all the all the art aspects of it. Move beyond all the movie aspects of it, and just hear again that sweet invitation of Jesus: "Follow me." Are you a follower of Jesus? As we've seen in our in our study of that word disciple, it, there's also an aspect of it of, of a learner. Are you learning? Right? I'm moving to that season of my life where I start to think about retirement. And, and I, I, I think about what would that look like? And I, I'm a little, um, and some of you have gone before me in this, but I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. Not, not because I won't have something to do. I have so many things I want to do. But, but because I'm afraid I'll stop learning. I'll, I'll stop coming to Jesus like you are right this morning and saying, show me yourself. Help me understand you better, Jesus. I never want to stop learning more about God. Praise God that he is infinite. So there's always a, there's always a, a more for me to know, more for me to learn. But, but are you a follower? Are you a lifelong learner? We saw in the Hebrew understanding of disciple, or are you one who's becoming more like Jesus, more like your master, right? Today I want to add a fourth question to our our discipleship questions. What will it take, right? What will it take for you to fulfill God's purposes? And I almost said God's purposes for you, but it's much larger than that. What would it take for you to fulfill God's purposes for your family? What would it take for you to fulfill God's purposes for our city? What would it take for you to fulfill God's purposes for his world, right? What would it take? That's why we come again to the greatest commandment. We've come again to the Shema of God. We've come again to Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel. Hear, people of God. Picking on the name Israel now for a second. Hear, you who have been wrestling with God, right? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Right? What will that look like? What will that look like to fulfill God's purposes for us? Again, you've got several Kairos brothers in the room, people who've been particularly called to minister to um, uh, men and women in um, in situations either of incarceration or of families that are are, um, are recovering from incarceration, and they have such a simple they have such a simple invitation to discipleship. It's so simple you might miss it, but so that you won't miss it, they stutter. Right? You know what I'm talking about, Kairos people? They say, "Listen, listen, right? Love, love." Hear, hear, O Israel, right? I want to start with the first one, listen. And again, I wrote it down twice in there because I just think it's such a good thing. Whenever something's repeated, it's saying, don't miss this, right? Hear with the intense desire to respond. The Hebrew word, literally the word shema or or hear, means both uh, uh, capture it, uh, physically and and intellectually, but but also respond to it. And a, a good case could be stated to say, if you don't respond, then probably you didn't hear, right? I think about you moms are so good at this, right? Especially if you have ADHD children, right? What do you do? You you grab their little faces. Now you're tempted right there to squeeze, but you don't, right? You grab their little faces and you say, look at me. Listen, listen to me. I'll let let God grab your face today and and hear him speak to you, right? Because you are his precious child. It's not like he's abandoned you or, or he's ashamed of you or any of those things. You're his precious child. So listen here with the intense to desire uh, intense desire to respond. He continues in verse 6, And the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And remember, in, in the Bible, the heart was the center of the will. It was the place where our minds and our emotions met. And with intentionality, we, we discerned a course of action. We responded. My words are to be upon your heart, Yahweh says, the living God says, right? So let me just remind you again of, of something that you know, but you might not be putting into practice. God invites you to hear first and foremost from his word. I, I get to fellowship with a lot of different people. Um, Chris and I were at a pastor's uh, retreat last last Friday and we're able to encounter people from a variety of different Christian experiences. And many of them are, are focusing moment by moment on, on what they sense God is saying to them. I love that. I love that. The God is living and active and, and he's still moving. But long before you'll ever hear him speak something out of the blue, he will speak through his word. And so he invites you to open the word and I, I want to again push you a little bit. Our our soul training exercise 
again for today, is repeated. You've heard it before. It's repeated, though, because if you're like me, you're struggling to put it into practice. Open God's word. Consider this week one time. Um, consider this week one time. Uh, doing a SOAPS study. S-O-A-P-S. Do it on this passage. Because we're going to come back to this passage next week. Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to say 1 through 9. Because some of you are so uh, used to 4 through 9. There's more context for you. I'm going to say Deuteronomy 6. 1 through 9. Right? And 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 here's what SOAPS is. It's taking a notebook or a blank piece of paper. I use one of those little cheap notebooks you can buy in bulk. And it's Bible size. I stick it in there. Um, uh, write down the scripture. Write it down. Say, uh, I, I use my phone. I never write. There's something that happens when you write something down. I, I realize that again um, because I'm a texter. And, and when I start to text, then it's so my phone is so used to me that it, it knows what I'm going to say, right? I mean, you, many of you have heard me say, I hope you have a, a blessed birthday, right? Rather than I, I put hope and it goes, hope you have a blessed birthday, right? So um, I, I write my pastor friends. I'm asking them for appointment. It says, hope you have a blessed birthday, right? No, it doesn't say. Um, there's something that happens when you get out a pencil and write. I shared with you before that you'll see that same scripture seven times as you write that scripture down. You'll see it seven times. So, so write down the scripture. That in your regular studies, that's an encouragement to choose shorter passages. Um, but um, I, I invite you to do Deuteronomy one through nine this coming week. Write the scripture down. Then say, ask yourself the observation question. What does the scripture say? Now, I wrote down in your notes here, what does it say to you? And that's really important. Um, some of you um, more advanced followers of Jesus, um, ask yourself, what did it say to them first? What did it say to the people that originally heard? And then what do I hear it saying to me now? Both are really important questions. But what does it say? Write down your observations about it. Um, and, and just let it free. No one's going to look at this. This is your notebook. Just let it, let it free flow from your pen, your pencil. Write it down. But then once you've reflected on it and, and you've seen maybe what God had for you this day, there'll be more another day when you come back to it because God's word is, is infinite. Um, what, when you've seen what it says to you this day, then say, if I believe this to be true, question from our dbs if i believe this to be true what would i need to do now it's not an invitation to disbelieve that it's true uh, it's actually the opposite for those of you who might disbelieve or not say i don't I, I love you pastor dave but i'm not at that place where i believe that 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 word right there is true i'm not asking you to to take a big step of faith right here i'm just asking you if it was true what would you need to do right if you did believe it to be true not that you don't if you did, what would you need to do? Because it's a much more clarifying question. Uh, what would God have me do as a result of this scripture? And then, and then we're going to ask you to do a couple of things. First of all, write it down in a prayer. Write a prayer of response. Write a prayer of response. There's something that happens when you write it down. There's something that happens when you open that notebook up years later and look back. 
and see what you wrote as well. Or even a week later, write it, write it down, right? Write it down in a prayer to God. And then, and then ask God while you're praying, ask God, who would you have me share this with? By the way, I have no shame. Um, if I'm not, I'm not thinking of anybody that a particular message might bless, then uh, don't feel bad about going to someone that you know and saying, you know what, Pastor Dave's making me share what I learned. Um, would you just bless me by letting me tell you what I learned in my Bible study this week? I'm laughing, you're laughing. Why? Because we know that God works mysteriously, right? And the very person that you might say, I just need you to let me say this to you, might be the exact person that needs to hear what you learned. So again, um, you have done so well uh, in, in formulating. And I haven't, haven't done that great in, in telling people your one-minute testimony. I want to continue to encourage you to do that. Many of you have stepped out, had phenomenal experience in fasting. I want to invite you this week to to um, continue to train your soul by hearing, hearing God's word. And, and this is one tool to help you do that, the soaps one. But here also is a sweet, sweet invitation. Remember, listen, listen, hear, O Israel, right? But, but there's also this invitation to love, love, right? In other words, sacrificially, I, mean, I say that word, to say, if it's not costing you something, it's probably not love, right? It's, it's probably convenience. Sacrificially serve those God's puts in your sphere of influence. Next week, we're going to focus on that. People in your sphere of influence. But sacrificially serve those. Now, now again, I want to remind you of several words that we've heard here. Most recently, um, though you may not be called to some Things like let me just pick on Potter's wheel for a second. You, you, it may not be in your gift mix to um, to uh, to cook or to serve um, the hungry, <clears throat> and that's fine. You need to find that place where your heart sings and serve there. But sometimes there's a need, right? And sometimes you have the ability to respond, the response ability. And so some of the things that you do are not going to be in your roundhouse. They're not going to be in your gift mix. They're not going to be in your passion, right? But you do it. I'm looking at you, Jennifer. How many times as a mom did you did you have to do things that, uh, God, if there's anybody else, um, I'd like them to do this, right? But it was your responsibility. It was your mom. Right? Your mom. Uh, you have the ability to respond. Responsibility is important. Also, availability. Sometimes, I'm, I'm, I put out a call to some, one of our men's small groups, and, and, and we needed people to make popcorn for, um, for uh, 600 students at Google School, right? And, and several of them just said, you know, wouldn't have been what I would have chosen, but I'm, I'm available on Wednesdays from 730 to 10, right? I can do that. And so this Wednesday, we're going to go over there and, and make popcorn for students. Um, you know, we, we went to school. We, we went to, uh, we apprenticed under all kinds of people. We um, studied, and we're making popcorn. Now, before you throw stones, how many of you guys walk into Rural King and head over to the popcorn proper, right? Gotcha. Gotcha, right? And that's, it's just being taped. That's terrible popcorn, right? Um, we're gonna make we're gonna make popcorn and we're gonna bless the socks off those students and especially the two ladies that have been doing this for months by themselves because we're available, not because we're called, 
that we're available, right? We are responsible and we are available. And, and the beautiful thing about all this is God invites you to be accountable too. Remember, I ask you next week, how'd you do with your one-minute testimony? I'd love to see those smiles that say, yeah, I risked it this week. I was thinking, can I just share with you about my Jesus? Don't you just love watching the worship team share about their Jesus, by the way? Um, I, uh, I, I get drawn closer to Jesus just watching them. Just watching them, right? Let me tell you about my Jesus, right? I'm going to ask you, how'd you do? Did you intentionally deny yourself? Did you fast from something, your phone or from food? Or did you, did you, did you discipline your body and your soul um, uh, through fasting? So I'm going to ask you that, but I'm also going to ask you, did you have a chance to, to did, no, no. Did you, did you hear and obey? Did you respond and open God's word and do one soap study um, this coming week? And we're going to see what God does for you. Worship team, would you come on up if you would? I'm laughing because last week, I uh, last week I said that and Kristen missed it, and so, and so everybody else in the worship team came up and Kristen was going, "Where's everybody going?" And uh, so she got it. She just waved at me, said, "I heard you today, Pastor Dave. I heard you." But I I uh, I never want to divorce um, discipleship from intimate relationship with Jesus, right? I never I never want to. Lose sight of that and just do things because that's what Christians do. I think one of the blessings of this last few years is that God just broke some of our habits. He just broke some of the, some of the things that we always do just because we do it. And, and, and all of a sudden we discovered, wow, um, maybe, maybe I was doing that for the wrong reasons. Or I wasn't thinking deeply, but, but it's amazing to me that, that God might use my life somehow to accomplish his purposes, right? That that he might shema my life, that he might let me hear his purpose for my life, right? And and then that he might that he might let me do something that would magnify the glory of God, that would magnify the name of Jesus. There's two, there's two primary applications of, of the Shema passage. The things that I say and the things that I do. And I want to suggest to you that a lot of my life I kind of looked in that, in that order. I, I, I knew that if I couldn't say something, therefore I wasn't going to do something. But I'm wondering now if um, many times it's, it's the other way. Many times as I begin making popcorn for kindergartners, um, that maybe God will meet me there. And, and maybe, maybe someone will see the love of Jesus in me. Or as you sling cereal at the potter's wheel, or as you drive a couple hours so that you can be with some small group of prisoners. As you smile at a child coming to your doorstep. And yeah, that child might be a high schooler, not even attempting to dress up or anything, but give him the candy, right? Give him the candy. Say, God bless you. Tell him, hope you have a birthday, right? <laughs> but, but 
say. Because people are going to see the love of Jesus in you. I do. Tell them why. The words I say and the things I do may my whole life be a testimony of Jesus. Again, I know several of you are going through really challenging things. And I just want to say to you, my God is good. And he'll be there for you. He will. And uh, if we can pray for you and stand with you during those things, we would love to do that. We would love to do that. But let's risk living into the purpose of God. Let's risk the words that we say and the things that we do. Stand with us, would you?